Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Fourth Horseman Podcast. I'm your host, Rossi Bratton. Time is currently 7.23. It is Friday, May 7th, two days before Mother's Day, which is oddly convenient. Um, but today, I hopped on the mic because we're going to be talking about something a little bit more sensitive, but something that a lot of people need to get more comfortable talking about. And the whole reason I'm doing this is because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. You know, I think it's important that after a crazy year, we've all suffered of experiencing a number of things between lockdown, isolation, quarantine, being separated from the people we care about. Some of us even lost our jobs. And, you know, that doesn't mean that you can't or or that doesn't mean you're incapable of losing your sanity every now and again. It's only human to have issues with depression or anxiety from time to time. And we shouldn't continue to stigmatize these things as many of us, I'm sure, have experienced one of these things in some degree as the pandemic occurred and we were, you know, forced to change up the way we lived our lives. And for me, it's, um, to be honest with you, it just became one of those things where I didn't know how to process the pandemic. I didn't know how to process being under lockdown. I didn't like just like a lot of other people. All right. I was I was going through it. I was struggling to deal with the whole situation because it wasn't fun. It wasn't cute to be in your house sitting in inside probably, uh, you know, going crazy and um, just wanting to get out and take a walk or go see your friends or go to go to go to a movie or go to the mall or do something that felt normal you know it, it I was there just like many of you and on top of all that and being isolated I was grieving and I can tell you you know having had enough time to process it knowing that I'm not necessarily out of the woods yet that that sucked it sucked it was the most difficult thing I've probably ever had to deal with and go through in my entire life but I also gained some insight and some clarity after the fact. Now, I'm going to stop talking about me. And I'm going to get back into more specific topics. I'm talking about like we were talking about depression, anxiety. But I want to talk about PTSD. Now, post-traumatic stress disorder is something that many people associate with members of the armed forces after they've you know, no, after they're done with their service and they come back and they start experiencing issues with alcoholism, uh, flashbacks, and they start to uh, be triggered by certain things that might remind them of the trauma that they experienced overseas that might have caused them a significant amount of distress uh, here in this that 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 uh, at that time. And that is our general uh, conception of PTSD. But that's not necessarily all PTSD is. As I understand it from what I've learned from my course this semester, and I do try to retain as much as I can from these courses I take, and I do try to educate myself on these issues that are becoming more uh, common in our society, I've come to understand that PTSD can affect a broad range of people in a number of different contexts. What do I mean by this? Well, think about the frontline workers, number one. 
Think about the EMTs and the nurses and the doctors who were on the front lines of this pandemic treating all the ill people that had to endure countless instances where they lost a person that they tried very desperately to save. And I think in a, doing, a, doing your duty, especially as a nurse or an EMT or a cop or whatever it is, you're not necessarily processing in the moment. You're not necessarily taking everything in about how many lives you witnessed come to an end before your very eyes. It doesn't really sink in until after the fact. And that's why I do believe that, it. you know, we had um, that one nurse who worked at the hospital in New York who unfortunately, you know, you could see very early on instances of people not being able to handle the pressure that came with having to endure such a wave of tragic and sudden hardship. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of people. I really do believe that. There's a whole bunch of people that have suffered and that will probably soon start to experience issues and coping with the trauma that they experienced, especially as the world returns to a state of normal. But, you know, I, you know, I am one of those people, you know, when, uh, you know, I've been sitting back, you know, I'm going to be honest, and I've been thinking about like what the world is going to be like once, you know, everything is done. You know, it could be another year, it could be another two years before they say, oh, no more masks indoors, everything's open everywhere, COVID's pretty much gone, we've got the vaccines all around the world, India's good, we're good, we're all good. It's not, you know, and everyone wants to think that that is you know, the ideal situation, which it is. And we can all go um, hand in hand, skipping into the sunset, uh, singing We Are the World and everything else like that. But it's not that simple. This is a virus that has mutated several times into several different variants and has affected specific populations of people and has pretty much changed the world. It's not just going to be a, a simple thing of, oh, yes, let's all go back to going out on Friday nights and, you know, drinking and going to our clubs and and doing all these other things. Some of, you know, there are millions of people who have died around the world. There have been nearly half a million people in the U.S. alone that have died from this virus. That might not seem like a lot given how many people there are, but that is still an incredible amount of people. If you think about it. And we have to take all of that into consideration. There is going to be fallout after this is over. I preached. Let me refrain from using that word ever again. I discussed earlier on about the mental health crisis. Now, that was before I started seeing all these stories in the news about college students uh, allegedly uh, taking their own lives, about, uh, you know, the unfortunate murder-suicide incident that happened in Allen, Texas. 
which resulted in the death of, you know, the, the, a girl that was attending my university. You know, I didn't know her personally, but, you know, she had a good, you know, promising career ahead of her, a, a life ahead of her, you know. But the crisis that her brother fell victim to is what cut all of that short. And a lot of people can just see a story like that and they can turn the other way and go about their lives. It's not me. It's tragic. And I can sit here and be like, how sad praying for the family, hashtag uh, praying for the family or whatever they say. But at the same time, you know, I, I see a story like that and I'm like, you know, this is serious. This is serious because I know. Not, necess not necessarily what it's like to get to that point, but I know what it's like to suffer. And I'm just going to keep it real in saying that I know what it's like to suffer, to go through some things in life. I don't speak openly about all that. And maybe, you know, as I learn to care a little bit less about what other people think, which is something that I could benefit from doing, I might be able to tell you a little bit about my ordeals. But... You know, I, I empathize with a lot of people because of my life experiences, you know. And when I see a story like that, I, 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 you know, I feel a sort of urgency to try to be an advocate for change in some sort of way. You know, that was the whole reason I started talking about this in the first place. I'm just going to talk about another incident because this is the whole reason I kind of jumped on to this podcast today, really, and just to vent like I always do. But, you know, more specifically to talk about this incident with this 19 year old girl who went to a college in New York, Buff State, by the name of Sanaya Dennis, 19 years old. All right. And she went missing. I believe it was April 24th, uh, give or take two weeks ago. Right. And no one had heard for her for, from her for about 11 days. Apparently, she and her boyfriend were texting between each other. And apparently, the boyfriend ended things. And evidently, Sanaya, this poor girl, this 19-year-old girl, she didn't take it very well. She didn't take it very well at all. And, you know, a lot of people want to speculate that the incident with the boyfriend is what caused this whole situation. But I'm going to get into why there were probably other factors at play here in a moment. But this girl was distraught. She had contacted a friend and communicated in an intention or a desire to end her own life. Now, this was shortly after... The incident with the boyfriend, which is what is leading many people to believe and speculate that, you know, this this whole situation with her boyfriend and them breaking up and him cutting off things with her is what led to her uh, making her decision. But, you know, there's so much more to these things and something about this case, to be honest with you, it just it doesn't sit right with me. Like there were probably warning signs everywhere, all over the place that. You know, ain't no, there's nobody at fault for missing them, but they were probably there. And this incident with, with, with when this 19 year old college girl allegedly um, 
you know, communicated a desire to want to end her life to one of her friends. The friend that she was communicating with tried to talk her out of the situation. And he believed he had done so. But instead, Sanaya Dennis, around this time, probably April 24th, around the time she went missing, uh, discarded of her belongings, which she would need to access her college dorm. She left, hopped on a bus, and drove a couple miles north to Niagara Falls. And from what evidence was gathered, the DA said that there were guard dogs, uh, not guard dogs, but, uh, you know, the, the search dogs. What am I saying right now? The search dogs that went out to pick up her scent after they got some of her clothing. They trained the dogs to pick up her scent. So the dogs are walking along this path all throughout the falls, and they're tracking her scent. And they go to this place, I believe the place is called, uh, I want to say Luna Island, there in the park, overlooking the falls. You go look over the railing, there's rushing water falling downward, a cascade of water. And you look down, apparently there's jagged rocks down there, right? Apparently from the DA's report, let me, let me read this. Let me just read this verbatim because I have it here on my phone. Uh, the DA said uh, the dogs wanted to jump over the edge of the railing into the raging water to follow the scent. So from that information um, and the fact that they had combed the area, the land uh, for several days and did an extensive amount of searching for this girl. They concluded that she unfortunately did what we all had unfortunately feared and many of us suspected. You know, she ended her own life. And, you know, this has also prompted a lot more talk about the necessity of prioritizing our mental health and raising mental health awareness. Because her family is of the opinion and of the impression that there were no signs of any sort of distress mentally, emotionally, emotionally or otherwise from this young woman before she ended her own life. Now, either she was an Oscar worthy actress who was able to conceal all of her struggles from the people in her life or there were people in her life that simply did not pick up on the fact that this young woman was in need of help, of support, of guidance, possibly even treatment. And instead, it took one incident, one, with this boyfriend for her to make a hasty decision. Now, let me tell you something. Let me make this very clear for all of you listening that might be like, what is this guy on right now? Let me tell you something. People got mad on me, at me online because I said and I alleged, I proposed 
that this incident with her boyfriend was not all that caused Sanaya Dennis to jump into the water, which allegedly led her to being sucked under and killed by the impact of the fall where those jagged rocks were. All right, this is the boyfriend, if you ask me, was probably just the straw that broke the camel's back. All right. A lot of people break up. I don't, I don't know about the history of the deceased Sonia Dennis and the boyfriend who broke up with her shortly before her passing. I don't know about their history, right? They could have been together for a long time. Very healthy and strong relationship. She could have been relying on this young man for support emotionally or otherwise. And when he broke things off with her, that could have led her to be making this tragic and irreversible decision. Now, I'm not saying that that's what happened. All we can do is speculate because a lot of factual evidence, a lot of the things we'd like to know are not being revealed or told to us. And we haven't even recovered. You know, there hasn't even there hasn't even been a body recovered. You know, so all the D.A. can do is speculate that Sanaya's death was more than likely a suicide. And her father is a well-known rapper by the name of 40 Cal, who was a member of uh, a famous rap group back in the day called Dipset. All right. And he preferred the D.A. not use the term suicide. Now, I understand that. I respect Sanaya Dennis's father's wishes regarding the case because it is a sensitive matter and it is his daughter. But I think doing that and telling the DA, don't say these words, don't say suicide, don't say, don't say self-harmed. You know, and it's no different than saying took her own life. It's just the idea of people saying suicide that makes it makes people feel uncomfortable. But what I'm here today to try to tell you all is that we need to talk about these things and start using these words because it's it's becoming an issue. It's always been an issue, but we're seeing the tsunami fall upon the shore. If you understand my meaning. And it's I really do think that having an open discussion about mental health in general all around is what's going to help a lot of people overcome their struggles. Because a lot of people, to be very frank with you, um, do not seek out help when they need it because of the very same thing. Oh, we don't use the word. We don't say depression. We don't say anxiety. We don't say these things. And I can only speak for myself as a person uh, of color who grew up in a very Christian household that there was no understanding or discussion or uh, very uh, even acknowledgement of the presence of mental health issues. You know, we didn't you know chalk them up to the devil but you know that we we kind of did you know but 
but, you know, there's so much more to it than that. I think my generation specifically, as the people who are living through some of the most difficult times, as some of the most pivotal times in our lives, we need to be the ones taking the reins and being the front runners for, for raising awareness so we can all come together to end stigma, to end the taboo, and to facilitate a world, an environment for people that need the help. Because let me tell you something, the world has been trying to heal. The world has been trying to heal. We have been trying to heal from the year, from the trauma, from the chaos, from the whatever we went through. Some of us were having financial hardship. Some of us were having family issues. Some of us were having issues with our significant others. Some of us were having issues with the mind. But I can tell you, despite all these issues, the world is trying to heal. Healing is not just an external thing. Healing takes place on the inside and the outside. And people are suffering internally, my friends. Let me tell you this. People are suffering internally. And some of this suffering is going unnoticed. And people are falling through the cracks. You know, I used to not be so vocal on this because I used to care way too much about what other people thought or whatever. Like, but this is serious, you know, and as I've seen it unfold and I've heard more tragic stories time and time and time again. And I realized that a lot of the conclusions that I made very early on have now started to come to fruition, unfortunately. I'm starting to realize that I have a lot of knowledge on this and a lot of a lot to say and the potential to help some people understand some things. So I said, you know, I'm only going to I'm just going to say this once, you know, I'm sorry for you non-Christian folks out there, but. The Bible says, he who has an ear, let them hear, which means, you know, if you have something to say and there are people that are in need somehow, some way, possibly at all, then you should speak your mind, say your piece on the matter. And that's what I came on here doing today. I don't know how long this podcast episode has been running. I could have been sitting here talking for an hour for all I know. But I always lose track of time and I never know what I was actually saying or talking about until I listen back. But hopefully you were able to garner something from this and the fact that we all should be very aware of our where our mind state is at. We should all feel the courage and feel like it is entirely acceptable to seek help. And be honest with the people in our lives about the things we are having a difficult time with. Now, that doesn't mean you should be running to the nearest person and complaining about every inconvenience in your life. But if there is something that is making your life difficult, if you're having a moment where you feel like you are in need and you know you're probably not thinking very logically, rationally, or clearly about things, and you are not doing well, 
you know, the whole taboo and the whole stigma with all of it, it needs to end because a lot of people are going to continue to suffer and we're going to end up losing a lot of people unnecessarily as long as people keep up this act of thinking that, you know, pride and ego and reputation and all of these things are supposed to trump uh, things like mental health, you know. That, it, that having an issue with mental health is going to negatively impact your pride, your ego, or your self-esteem, or your reputation. All of that needs to end. And the sooner we can all collectively come together and choose to do that, the sooner we all can heal. And I really do think it's that simple. I've said my piece and you're listening to, I believe this is the third episode of the podcast. And I just want to say it one last time. Resources are available. I might include something in the description. You know what? Never mind. I will include something in the description. Numbers, maybe even a link or two. So if you are in need of help or someone you know is in need of help, please feel free and feel open and feel unjudged in accessing the resources that are available to help you or help the people that need it. And I think that's where I'll leave you today. You all be well and I will I'll not see you but you will hear from me again next week. Thank you and take care.